0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: I,
2: I was looking through a controversial tweet that you made.
1: I would never and- do that. No, but this
2: is this is one of the most egregious ones. I, I needed you to explain this before I even start podcasting with you is what uh, did, you wrote that the only way to do a dynasty league is to do an auction. Yes. and that you are vehemently opposed to a snake draft. Uh, I, I get why you said it, but explain to the people why specifically a dynasty league, the only way to do it is an auction.
1: Well, I think I like an auction for every type format, and I'd include Dynasty in that, because if, if you don't draft 1.1, you don't get access to all the players. It's just so much more fair to be able to have access to the entire player pool. Everybody should have equal access. That's one of the beauties of an auction is you can, there's so many different strategies, so many different permutations, and it's just more fair because everybody's on a level playing field.
2: So why do you think – because I've been in – I'm in 30 Dynasty Leagues. I think 29 is the exact number. Zero of them have even been offered as an auction. Why do you think that's – because you see a lot of uh, auction drafts happen in redraft and best ball, but why do you think almost no – I guess let's call them pickup leagues like you would a a pickup basketball game. Pickup leagues are auctions nowadays. Uh, People are
1: resistant to change. That's always – been the way that it's done so everybody just kind of keeps doing it the way that it has been done that's my best guess so but it's time to change that i mean every uh, auctions are just every everybody knows auctions are so much better
2: so i don't know why because i'm a i'm a little bit i would say you're right about that because i'm a little skeptical of, of auctions and i think also because i don't have the experience like i know adp by the time i go into these dynasty drafts and if i don't know adp I think I have a good feel of how dynasty drafters will draft based on how many I've been into them. But when you're in an auction and you don't have that auction experience and the dynasty league is forever, it's pre- you know, presumably forever. There's that feeling of like, wait a second, I'm not in control, but I guess you, ha- you have to. So do you think auctioning in redraft is a good way to get prepared for dynasty or is it just totally a different, you know, different animal?
1: I mean, I think you can practice all sorts of setups to, you know, you, you, you certainly want to have experience with the auction concept in general. If you've never auctioned before, then doing it for Dynasty, I think, would be more intimidating than just in a redraft. Just practice it and, and uh, try it out. And I think once you do and you get used to it and you get over that kind of fear or intimidation factor of the unknown, right, fear of the unknown, that is just, I think everyone will agree, it's just so much better.
2: Yeah. And especially super flex formats, which you and I have been playing superflex. I mean, a lot of people have been playing super flex religiously now for three to five years. And when you get into super flex drafts, there's still a good portion of the room that doesn't understand how to value the quarterback and how to allocate budget to that. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, Mark Stopa, we're going to be talking about. Superflex, and in specifically in dynasty, but it applies to across all because we know in these dynasty leagues, not only is there no quarterbacks available once the startup draft is over, there's almost no backup quarterbacks. So the idea, you know, we're going to do is try to identify a few sleepers and sometimes a sleeper. I mean, what do you think, what's a sleeper mean to you in modern day fantasy football?
1: I define a sleeper as someone who is undervalued, Uh, compared to how I see him I value him more than what the industry does I value him more than what the consensus does that could be a first round player that could be a 20th round player or anywhere in between just somebody who I want on my teams because I value him more than everybody else does
2: okay so do do you play you don't play in a lot of dynasty leagues am I right about that you you are
1: that's that's correct I, I when you said 29 leagues I'm like Holy cow, you're the man.
2: (laughs) Well, but there's a reason why. I also consider you, uh, you know, you're a sharp... player in redraft and best ball you're but you're also a master of figuring out games and i didn't want to just bring people who've played in these 30 dynasty leagues 10 dynasty leagues out i also think it's important just to have general strategy experts and that's what i consider you an experienced strategy person because dynasty players again you can learn a lot from the dfs guys from the best ball guys and specifically i had a guy named kevin o'brien on our podcast last year and he was talking about as a dynasty player what he does is he looks and sees who the DFS guy is like on a week to week. Like who's that like cheap guy that he can get on the waiver wire and that just has opportunity? So he plays his dynasty leagues week to week rather than year to year, tries to just grind into the playoffs. So that's why that's where the the launching point I want to see for our conversation. So when I asked you to send me a list of players that you thought were super flex sleepers, now you just define them as they could be early round or late round. You and I had an offline debate about Josh Allen. Okay, so obviously I bit back right away and said, Josh Allen, how the hell is he a sleeper? He's he's a top pick in any draft. Explain why you included him on a sleeper
1: list because for me he has unequivocally has to be 1.1 overall in any type of super flex format and I've seen lots of chatter out there where people are trying to take a running back or or something like that and I think that's just a colossal mistake and the biggest reason for that is at the end of the year when you look at the the top point scores by position especially in today's NFL look at quarterback running back receiver tight end and the running backs and receivers, they often look like a random mishmash if you compare those final tallies to preseason rankings, right? Because you have so much in the way of injuries and unknowns in those positions, whereas quarterbacks, the preseason rankings do a heck of a lot better compared to the the final year-end tallies. And that's especially for the top-end guys. Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, you know, clear one, 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 and 1-2 one, in my view. And it's just even though if you hit – some people say, well, if you hit that top running back early, you have an advantage over everybody else. But so many of them are just unknowns and have injuries and don't pan out. I'd rather have – the guaranteed stud for sure in the beginning, which is also why I like auction because everybody should be able to have access to those guys. And then you can, you know, you can figure out the other positions later on, especially in superflex format.
2: Yeah, I agree with you. And that's why originally I bit back as a like, sleeper, Josh Allen. But then when you explained it to me and then I had like a data kind of sit with it, I thought what you made was a really sharp point is that you're going to get into a lot of these superflex drafts. And you're going to see Jonathan Taylor, Christian McCaffrey go before Patrick Mahomes. Now, Josh Allen himself, I, I, it's hard for me to even think that anybody else would take 1.1. But you're right. I, I have seen some credible dynasty rankers put Patrick Mahomes 1-1. And I'm not going to argue that they're wrong. I mean, these guys are in a tier. You and I both agree that Josh Allen. But putting any running back, Jonathan Taylor, stud running back, ahead of those two quarterbacks in any startup draft dynasty is just a colossal mistake.
1: That, that's, how I, that's how I view it. You you can you can make up for lower end running backs later on if if Taylor has another explosive season, you can make up for that later on a lot bet easier than you can by missing out on the top quarterbacks early. So that's why the irony is we're gonna talk about some of these sleeper quarterbacks I gave you. These are guys I'm not looking to to go draft. I'd rather have the two stud quarterbacks in a super flex type setup, whether it's dynasty or redraft. But, you know, it is still fun to to talk about these kind of guys. And if you don't wind up with two of them, then these are the kind of guys I'll be looking to get.
2: The reason why, you know, people are... When you talk about quarterbacks, it's a boring position to talk about in fantasy football in one-quarterback leagues. The position becomes way more interesting and frustrating in Dynasty Superflex leagues because of the almost impossibility to acquire these players. Nobody has enough quarterbacks. I mean, you know, this... I have teams that had Ben Roethlisberger and Tom Brady fall off the roster. Obviously I'm not dropping them just yet, but the point is they have clearly retired and I'm still not dropping them because of the value of the position. And some of the, the sleeper quarterbacks that we're going to talk about is I would also classify those guys in dynasty as viable, meaning like there's nothing. There's a guy that keeps offering me in my dynasty leagues, like crazy amounts of value for Josh Allen. I just say, no, I said, there's almost nothing you can do that will, be helpful to you that, you know, Hey, here's two first round picks and Jamar chase. No, I don't want it. I want Josh Allen on my, you know, what are you talking about? Two first round picks. I said, it's just an unknown. I have a known commodity, but the players we are going to talk about today. They are viable. You can get them. And that's why I think it's important. And if you're a QB two away from competing as a serious playoff contender, I think that's sharp. So before we go though, I just want to let everybody know. The RotoWire Dynasty Fantasy Football Podcast, as always, is sponsored by WinBet. WinBet, digital casino, available in nine states. Use code uh, RotoWire to get $200 in free play cash. And we'll go, we'll talk about them a little bit more. Um, What do you think sports bettings have become legal in Florida? Wasn't it supposed to where we are? Oh,
1: it's it's sure better. You know, it's. uh... I would like, I'd like to think it's going to be legal in all 50 states. So in Florida is so big. We were so close though.
2: Weren't we so Uh, close like in October?
1: Yeah, it it was close. It'll happen. We have, you know, Republic, we we have a lot of business oriented leaders in Florida government. And I, I, would be surprised if it doesn't happen sooner rather than later.
2: Okay. That's, I like that optimism because it's time, man. I mean, there's so much sports betting content out there. There's so much, you know, they're embraced by the mainstream now. It, It just, so much fun I mean you know obviously you have to be responsible but I put it in the same category as you do with you know legalized marijuana and you know things like that it's just let's go already here let's go all right I want to talk about your super flex sleepers the first one that popped out to me is Baker Mayfield because he's gettable nobody likes Baker Mayfield I mean when the redraft rankings come out Mark he's going to be you know QB 22 QB 19, QB 27 in some rankings. Why is Baker Mayfield, who some people think the Browns should just cut straight up, why is he a super flex sleeper?
1: When I see Mayfield, what I see is, first, nobody wants him. Okay, because everybody saw he had an atrocious year last year. Everybody saw that Odell Beckham left, went to the Rams, did well all the way through the Super Bowl. So everybody, everybody's crapping on Baker Mayfield now. Well, here's when I did a deep dive on some stats. Here's what I saw. His PFF rating by year, 2018, 83.2. 2019, 74.4. 2020, 81.6. 2021, 63.5. Well, what happened last year? Last year, he had a significant left shoulder injury that he played through. Uh, And when did that happen? It happened in October. Well, here's Mayfield's YPA by month last year. September 9.8. Then he had the injury October 7.4, November 6.6, December 6.1, and January 4.9. So he had this injury for an extensive period of time, and that clearly impacted his play. Now, why what makes me confident that he'll come back from that and play more like he did in 18, 19, and 20, where he was a serviceable QB2? Well. I remember, and this wasn't talked about very widely, but my guy, Allen, had a left shoulder injury in 2020, and he played with a left shoulder harness for only three weeks, for for three, four weeks. Here were his splits that year, Allen's 2020 splits. His, His rating in September, 124, October, 89, November, 96, December, 116. January, 122. When did he have that injury? October. That's when his rating was 89. It was very obvious in his splits as he wore that left shoulder harness. Well, that's what Baker Mayfield dealt with all last year. And you can see it in the numbers. You can see it in the year by year, comparing 18, 19, and 20 to 21. And you can see it in the month by month YPA. And so to me, he's just a screaming value because everybody's going to be crapping on him based on what he did last year, and I think he's likely to revert back to career norms, have a significant bounce back, and now's the time to go get him.
2: Yeah, I I think that's really sound logic right there. And Baker Mayfield, even if someone just has two quarterbacks on their roster, they're going to be looking to move him. I think that they're cashing out. There's a lot of uncertainty uh, around him. And also, there's here's the one issue I want to ask you about, is that Jarvis Landry, by all counts, may not return to the team. I love their... Uh, was he third year player now Donovan Peoples Jones, but they have a top 10 pick. Uh, do you think they'll take a receiver with that pick? I mean, they need some pass catchers for Baker to throw to. I mean, they have that amazing running game with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, but what do you think they're going to do with the pass catching position?
1: I mean, you got to think they're going to look and looking and add some talent there. They got a great line, too. So, you know, get an explosive playmaker or two out wide and you got a great line and Mayfield convert, even if he can play in the low 80s PFF, like he had two of his prior three years, that that'll certainly make him a, a uh, QB two for a super flex type guy. And, and, and you'd have massive profit potential for how he's being viewed right now.
2: I like that. And when you're going to talk about like the psychology of a player, I mean, Baker Mayfield knows this is the do or die year for him. This is the year that's going to decide if he's going to be signed to a five-year max extension where he, he makes the 35, 38 a year. Cause they will give him that if he has a big year, or does he start going the Sam Darnold, backup route where he gets you know he gets opportunities and so this is a, a, a make or break year and obviously the psychology of players will be hey when your back's up against the wall when your replacement's in the room you have to, to be aware I think one of these high-end backups they they may bring somebody in this year That's, you know, not like a superstar, but you could see like an Andy Dalton, someone like that getting signed there to push Baker Mayfield and a veteran saying, Hey, why don't I go sign with the Browns? It's a pretty good team. And Baker Mayfield, if he falls on his face, I'm going to get an opportunity. So I I like that pick a lot. Uh, so another player. Let's move on. Do you have anything else on Baker Mayfield, or do you want to? I'd say if
1: anybody's not sold, read what Matt Hasselbeck said about the impact of wearing a left shoulder harness for a quarterback and his accuracy. That's part of what pitched me on the splits that I described to you. Not many people have read that. It was very lightly talked about when Al- after Allen's twenty twenty, and everybody's just overlooking it. I-, I think on Baker. So we we got it.
2: Yeah, and and Baker Mayfield also is he's kind of like a wrestling heel. Like people don't they like to root against Baker Mayfield, except if you're in Cleveland. But a lot of people are like ah, oh, he's in these commercials. He carries himself like a superstar, and he's kind of been like, you know, it, it bust. Uh, Today he's been a bust as the number one pick. But I'm with you. I'm buying Baker, especially in these dynasty. If you want, if you're sitting there at pick one ten one nine, wait till you're on the clock dangle that carrot out for someone I bet you'll get Baker Mayfield you might be able to return you know your first round pick alone we'll see yeah it's gonna be interesting with dynasty players nobody wants them all right second player we're gonna talk about that was on your list that I really liked is I, I've been touting um a lot of people have been touting but I, I like Mitch Trubisky's chance to land I mean he it, to land a starting gig and if not at least be in a, a camp competition uh, did Mitch Trubisky get a raw deal was to explain how maybe the year in Buffalo was helpful to him.
1: Well, it sure seems like the bills brass are going over their top, over the top in their praise of Trubisky. You know, their general manager, Bill Bean said he's the marry your daughter type. I, I mean, just over the top stuff. So he, he, he seemed to have a really good reset, uh, you, you know, Obviously a talented guy, early draft pick, only had the one chance in Chicago. He's going to get another one now. There's too many quarterback needy teams. Who, uh, I, I look at Indy, Denver, Pittsburgh, something like that. He's going to hit at one of those, and some of those are really good situations. Um, So I, I like him as a, you know, flyer upside type guy and it, it you can get him at a price where if it doesn't work out then it didn't cost you very much but i think there's big upside there especially since i think his legs are underrated and his athleticism is underrated and that's what we're looking for for quarterback fantasy scoring
2: you know what i never thought of indianapolis i have you know i'm writing up a, a little predictions article for a free agency, especially the quarterbacks, which is one of the most interesting this year. They'll probably end up being boring. Everyone goes back to their own team, but the uh, Mitch Trubisky to, uh, to India, I never thought about, uh, you know, there has been talk about Carson Wentz, them not bringing him back, which wisely they probably should not do. Carson Wentz is now going the Andy Dalton route, right? If that's what it seems it sure like seems that way. Yeah. Yeah. So I like that a lot. It seems like it would be uh, good for what they're trying to do. Mitch Trubisky to me, Sure, he might have been overdrafted, and expectations were probably too high based on that 49ers. Sorry, that the Bears moved up one spot to take the 49ers pick and passed on. That was the Mahomes and Watson draft too, right? That was the one there. So that you know that that sucks. You know that's the same situation that two is in. You know he's always being compared to Herbert because they went back to back. So I like Trubisky. I like his skills. He's the perfect amount of of scrambling where he's not going to take away production from the running backs, but he's also mobile enough. And if you can get him, I, I tend to think a lot of Sharp Dynasty players already know that hold Mitch Trubisky. I could have a top 12 starting quarterback for fantasy, but absolutely. <laughs> there's a lot of, he's sitting on waiver wires in some of these 25 man wow. rosters. He's, he's a, he's a pickup. So, I like yeah, that call. He,
1: he he could easily be a top fifteen quarterback next year, a fantasy quarterback. Um if he's I don't think Aaron Rodgers is gonna wind up in Denver. So who who do you like for Denver if not Trubisky? I mean, he's certainly gotta be on the short list.
2: Yeah. Does Den- Denver has picked nine, right, in this upcoming draft? I think something like that. Yeah, that but, sounds that sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean they're gonna take a rookie quarterback, but You know, you don't want to sign somewhere. That's his agent probably is asking that. Say, hey, are you guys taking a rookie quarterback? Because the last thing Mitch wants to do is sign replace where there's a, a top 10 overall pick rookie. And you know what happens when they go two and three. I mean, you know the tables are going to be pounding. Kenny Pickett, let's go, bring him in, bring him in. So I, I would think that he was probably gonna, wants to go to a place where he knows he has the starting gig. But hey, listen, if you believe in your abilities, you gotta, you gotta, you can't fend off competition. Uh, the other place where just talking about Mitch is for some reason, if it doesn't work out for Mitch Trubisky, you know the Buffalo Bills uh, intimately. Uh, their head coach, who now the Giants' head coach Brian Dable, I mean, he could end up backing up Daniel Jones. I mean, that's a similar style. It would be interesting to see Trubisky, uh, if he if he thinks he can compete, if Daniel Jones falters early down, uh, I, I would say that maybe the Giants would be an interesting landing spot for him too. All right, moving along here. Uh, another player that I had on my list here as a super flex sleeper, now it's going to be tough to get him, but he is gettable in Dynasty, is Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson, everyone, again, he, he kind of falls into that Mitch Trubisky narrative where, Hey, he was overdrafted at two. Nobody thought he should have been the second quarterback off the board. Maybe a couple people. Didn't have a great first year, but the Jets look like, you know, they could end up taking a pass catcher with some of their picks. Uh, Zach Wilson's been the subject of trade rumors because the Jets could package him with their two first rounders. Uh, Do you have any, even though you hate the Jets, let's put that aside because I know you're a practical man to talk about fantasy in its own realm. Uh, do you see Zach Wilson as a player that can launch into the top 12, top 14 quarterbacks next year? I,
1: I didn't have him on my list. So not my uh, list, I, I, I'm going to say there's others. I like more than him for the price. Um, I, I mean, I, I suppose he could, but I there's, there's others I'd rather, rather have. Uh, I, I didn't see enough last year that got me excited and, there's not a lot about the Jets setup that I love so you know maybe that's a no that's a no calling, a no calling me out on some bias there but yeah I don't have Wilson well, what do you like about Wilson that that you think I'm missing
2: well I think there's so when you talk about Superflex quarterbacks. One of the things, especially with Dynasty, because remember, in redraft we can make trades, we could drop players, we could pick them up. Remember, there's no waiver wire in Dynasty leagues with Superflex, meaning that there's no quarterbacks you could pick up. Sure, you could pick up Cooper Rush when when uh, Dak goes down, and <laughs> and Taylor Heineke. Wow, let's go get him, right? Those. So I don't want to say there's zero, but the one thing Zach Wilson is guaranteed is he's going to take every snap for next year as long as he's healthy. Okay. And even there is no job security risk for Zach Wilson next year. He would have to be, let's say, the the, one of the worst quarterbacks in the history of the NFL to even have job security threats in 2023. When usually, and there's exceptions to every rule, when you get a high when you're the number two overall pick, you're gonna get three full seasons of complete failure before they even think about pulling the plug on you. So The job security alone and the basic floor of being the starting quarterback, I think, outweighs the risk of him being bad. Because let's say he's a terrible quarterback. He's going to get you 15 fantasy points a game. That's the thing you want. But last year, you know, if he comes out and has a good season, which there is a chance, he's not going to be viable at all. I think this is an opportunity to get a high pedigree athletic quarterback for fantasy football.
1: How do you compare him to Trevor Lawrence?
2: But Trevor Lawrence is a sec is a top 15 super flex startup pick. So you obviously Trevor Lawrence, the, the it's a similar, I mean, the pedigree is much higher for, I mean, I'm sorry, the pedigree, the probability of him hitting or higher because he's been like an all time prospect, but his draft cost has barely been hurt. He went from being pick eight ADP last year to pick 14 or 15. So his value has not fallen that much. Whereas Zach Wilson he was going in the 3rd and 4th round of superflex startups that included rookies last year and now he's like a you know 7th round pick he's going right around QB 17 QB 15 Lawrence is still QB 6
1: okay i'll give you that one i i you make a compelling argument there i i, I like that
2: yeah i mean i, like I want in, in round 2 like you said i want to take that in round 1 i want to take my quarterback and if Jonathan taylor or you know or i'm trying to think of let me just look at the most recent startup I did to tell you who you who you can take if you, if you secure that good first quarterback in these startup drafts. let me see who I got here. Um, by the way, I did another startup which is stupid, right? I, I keep doing these. Oh, okay, I can't can't get into here. Twenty
1: nine is not enough. You gotta you gotta. I get- know, I know. Well, some <laughs> of them
2: do fall apart, which is you know good and bad because what happens is one falls apart. Um, it, oh, here we go. Draft results. Let me say. In this most – oh, uh, no, yeah, they're not showing me this one. I, I'll have to pull it up while well after. But it, the, the facts remain the same. Uh, Zach Wilson does not go in the top 12 or 13 quarterbacks. Like, like someone like Justin Fields, he's on the borderline of being a sleeper because most dynasty rankings have him in the top 13, 12. I've even seen him as high as nine. You know, people take him before Deshaun Watson, which I think is crazy. Uh, but that, that's why. Zach Wilson does not fall in there. And there's that Jets bias, the Jets suck. Not that it's a bias because it's kind of true, but again, high pedigree quarterback. He's got some staying power. All right. I want to talk about, I brought up Deshaun Watson. That, that links me to Davis mills. I love that you have him on your list. I'm just going to give you the floor and then I'll fill in the blanks. Cause I could, this is one of my favorite QB prospects from last year. I just checking back on a video. I thought maybe Davis mills can be a, a late first round pick last year. Mario and those guys at RotoWire, all the smart guys told me I was totally nuts, but Maybe I was proven right a little bit here, right?
1: Well, you know, Davis Mills is interesting because you take your typical fantasy football player or fan just kind of sees, certainly last year, oh, the Texans, they're going to be terrible. Mills is just there because they don't have anybody else. So there's like zero expectations. But then I look at his QB rating by month and September and October, it was 80. November went up to 96.6. December, 102.3. Mills really played well down the stretch. The Texans were two and three in his final starts. And those QB ratings, I mean, from week 13 on, he had a 102.4 quarterback rating and a nine to two touchdown interception ratio. I mean, he was really doing some solid stuff there and, and was showing growth over the second half of the year, more than maybe any of those other, more highly touted, earlier drafted rookie quarterbacks that makes me feel like the general public is probably overlooking how good he could be. What What if he's going to be the best rookie quarterback from that class and we just don't know it yet or the general public just doesn't know it yet? There are certainly signs that of the possibility of that we saw last year. And that's how I define a sleeper, somebody who has the potential to be a lot better than what the public is giving him credit for. And, and so, you know, what's your take on Mills? Why do you like that?
2: So when Davis Mills was coming out of high school into college, he was the number one ranked national nationwide quarterback, not Trevor Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence quickly, Ascended to the uh, generational prospect only after one year, and rightfully so, Davis Mills suffered two severe knee injuries in college, which you know drove his stock his stock price his his draft price way down. But this is a player that if we redrafted the twenty twenty class today, he's a first round pick I mean it's not even a question right
1: I agree with that that's yeah that's certainly true
2: yeah i mean we would we could debate whether he might go ahead of Zach Wilson. If, you know, if teams were redrafted, I don't, I mean, you know, he's certainly in the mix. So, all right. So now there's some uncertainty because Deshaun Watson has not yet been traded and the teams that could trade for Deshaun Watson that have the ammunition are the jets and the giants and the Eagles. All three of them have a young quarterback that people can poke holes in. And so the assumption by many dynasty players is that if the Deshaun Watson trade happens, freeing up Mills to be the unquestioned starter is that they would have to compete with Daniel Jones, Jalen hurts, or Zach Wilson. That's it. So I think that's, what's depressing Davis mills price. But what you correctly identified is that Davis mills is going to open the year as a starter. I think that they know that. And they're like, Hey, wait a second. We may have struck gold here. And now we could trade Watson for assets that are non quarterback related. So to- I love this play. He go ahead, Mark. To- go ahead.
1: Totally agree with that. I mean, if you're if you're posting a quarterback rating over a hundred multiple weeks, like he was doing from week 13 on last year, after Tyrod Taylor got injured again and 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 he came back in and played. I mean, you don't have quarterback as a need, certainly not a franchise-altering one, and you can trade Watson for other stuff. So I t- I totally agree with that.
2: Yeah, I mean, what would the Carolina Panthers? give up for Deshaun Watson. They would I mean, they would give up their pick 8 or 9 whatever they have, pick 8. It probably cost them DJ Moore and then a future first. Could you imagine two first round picks coming in so you have pick 9 where they could take a high pedigree receiver or fill any other needs they have on the offensive line. You have a player like DJ Moore and you get another first round pick. Carolina would do that and and Houston would do that, right? I mean, now you have Davis Mills with a, an additional star-wide receiver. Uh, I love this pick. He's going QB 30 in these drafts, Mark Stopa. QB 30. He should probably be going ahead of some of those other, you know. I, I probably would rank him for 2022. Who's going to have more fantasy points? Davis Mills or Baker Mayfield, someone who we both agreed as a sleeper? It's a question, right? It's a question. That's
1: totally fair. Yeah, that's totally fair. I I agree with that. And and I I think, you know, who knows how long the Watson legal drama might play out. And the reason he hasn't been traded yet is because teams are waiting to see how that unfolds. And uh, until that happens, just keep liking Mills more and more.
2: Look at this humble brag right here, Ms. Sanchez. We get it. You drafted Davis Mills in the third round of your rookie draft. I do not like people like you because... You took him away from me when I was trying to wait for him. So, you know what's funny every year? Actually, you know what we're going to do right here? Because I have a point to make about the third round of rookie drafts. But first, we're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsors.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
2: And we're back, Mark Stopa. what did you think about those commercials that you just listened to?
1: they, they, they were very enlightening
2: <laughs> <laughs> for those on the stream, you didn't have to suffer through the commercials. But if you're on the podcast stream, you know you just hit that 30 second fast forward if you don't want to listen to them the beautiful advertisers that interrupted our podcast. Um, okay, here we go what's but before we left, we were talking about a uh, the third round of rookie drafts and it's going to apply to this year too so in super flex drafts rightfully so in most years those quarterbacks get pushed up to the top picks sometimes you know there's people that were pushing Clyde Edwards Hilaire up draft boards and you know up in rookie drafts to the 1-1 and not taking quarterbacks that year and obviously that's crazy right I mean you have I mean if you took Jonathan Taylor maybe you're a little bit happier but for the most part and I think again, this this is going to be a problem this year. People are going to push up Malik Willis, the um, dynamic quarterback out of out of Liberty, especially if he goes to a good spot. And but they may take Brees Hall ahead of him, a running back. But there's always quarterback value to be had in the second and third round of rookie drafts. It happened with Jalen Hurts. It happened with Davis Mills. And this year it could be so. I guess the advice is look for the quarterbacks that get drafted in the second round or later of real NFL drafts that have a chance to start, and those are guys you want to get in those rounds.
1: Because we have a, the NFL has a really long history now of being completely wrong in its quarterback valuations. It happens over and over again where that the guys who the the guys who are paid to try to evaluate quarterbacks just. Swing and miss. And they happen. It happens over and over again. So you can take advantage of the overconfidence of people's reliance on pedigree and draft draft rankings and such to get value in those later rounds like you're describing.
2: Yeah. I mean, you know, there was a couple of things in the chat while you were talking and the chat, you know, I love the chat and live streaming and podcasts because they really do add a little bit of flavor to what we're talking about. And someone said, who's your QB one in dynasty? I mean, you and I, we, we could, it's not even close for us. We have Josh Allen in a tier by himself even though – and there's a great case for Patrick Mahomes to be the QB1. It's just you saw what happened this year. Even in a bad year, he was only, what, QB6, so the upside there. But you're talking about now Josh Allen is uh, you know what, I'm going to let you say it because this is your beautiful baby boy, uh, Josh Allen. <laughs> well, why is Josh see, Allen – yeah, but why does Josh my, Allen have the, the floor-ceiling combination? Go ahead.
1: I, I mean, what we're seeing from Allen is a combination of – throwing and rushing that we have arguably never seen in the history of the NFL. And he's just now entering his prime. I I mean, here's one way I like to describe that in in the history of the NFL, there have been two games, not just in the playoffs, playoffs, regular season history, NFL, two games where a player had 300 yards passing 65 yards, rushing and four passing touchdowns. Those were Josh Allen's two playoff games this past season. Ever, and and so, and you can extrapolate things like he's the only guy in his first four years to have 100 passing touchdowns, 30 rushing touchdowns. You know, it used to be that the good rushing quarterbacks, like from yesteryear, like a Steve McNair, he'd have eight rushing touchdowns one year and then he'd have none the next year. Well, Allen is doing it every year, so the consistency that he brings, both passing and rushing, the massive upside, the floor—it's just—it's everything you could want. It'd be crazy to take anybody else.
2: And if they sign a running back of note that's you know presumably going to take away a few goal line touch, let's say they sign Leonard Fournette or a trade for Saquon Barkley, something like that. It wouldn't bother me at all because his touchdown upside, Josh Allen's touchdown upside, might go from like nine to like six and a half projected. It's not gonna be they're they're not gonna get on the goal line and not use Josh Allen as you know, they understand they're not the franchise aren't like, hey, this is our quarterback for the next 15 years. They hope that, but the Super Bowl window opens and closes so quickly. And I, I haven't looked at the Super Bowl odds. but My guess is that Buffalo is number one or number two, right? As it's, far as
1: Bills and Chiefs are both like plus seven hundred, plus seven fifty, depending on which site you go on.
2: And if you look in three years from now, if you have the crystal ball. There's no way you could you could predict Josh Allen will be there and be great, but you don't even know what the rest of that team will look like. So teams are not going to save Josh Allen. Uh, they may take a little wear and tear off him by getting a, a banger on the goal line, but who knows? Speaking of which, though, uh, do you think, do you see that the Bills have that? Would you identify running back as an area of need for the Bills?
1: I'd say yes that I'd say more generally that yards after catch is an area of need if you look at the yards after catch for the top quarterbacks in the league Allen's were really low and so they could use like a a third down James White kind of guy out of the backfield I could see that as a need I like a potential Barkley fit if they can make the money work so they need somebody a yards after the catch kind of guy and if that could be a backfield guy all the better.
2: I mean Devin Singletary did carry the load for those last 6 weeks of the season. I mean he looked every bit like a, a workhorse running back. Um you know a lot of a lot of dynasty questions that I get have to around Zach Moss. Is Zach Moss almost droppable in some of these deeper di- I'm sorry in these shallow dynasty leagues? Is, is Zach Moss dead or is he just maybe it didn't work for this year? Do you you see him having a role? I
1: I I I think that it's probably 50% that he's not with the team next year that he gets cut I think it depends on their off season moves uh like whether they're able to add somebody if they add somebody like Barkley or anybody like that then uh Moss is Moss is gone but if they aren't able to add somebody then I could see coming back in the same type of role which is a very frustrating one and doesn't have a lot of value because Singletary has clearly emerged and Moss is like the short yardage banger guy. But how much value is there in that really when they've got Allen who takes so many of the goal line touchdowns?
2: We talk about super flex sleepers. One of the questions that's going to form dynasty rankings and that you know, I have Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo listed as if Lance is the starter. I have him as QB eleven or nine, something like that, in my dynasty rankings right now. And then I have Garoppolo around twenty-four with upside. I mean, that's probably a low ranking. Of so, how does this whole situation play out? And when I say, obviously you don't have a crystal ball, but give me probabilities: one of Garoppolo staying where he is, Lance becoming the starter and successful for fantasy. Parse that up for us.
1: I like. The chances of Garoppolo getting traded at around 80%. I mean, they the the Niners have such a heavy investment in Lance, they just have to make that move. Another in in my view, another year with Garoppolo really starts to set Lance behind in his growth process, his maturation process. He's gotta get some on the field experience. He was so raw coming out of a college as it was. So I, I think it's something like 80%. And then if Lance is the starter, there's just so much upside with his rushing and, you know, the Niners love to rush. He'll be, you know, they're going to lead the league in rush attempts. Either them, either them or the Ravens, if they get back to their old ways. So, you know, you got to like Lance for fantasy purposes. Now that said, people thought that last year, and we're totally wrong. in Garoppolo, there was huge value for him in superplex flex formats. So I still think that I do think what the numbers you were saying on Garoppolo, where you had him listed, was a little too low yeah. because he's either, you know, there's a 20% chance he stays with the Niners and he'll do well. They have so many great pieces around him, or he goes to somebody like Denver or Pittsburgh or Indy. And there's some good setups out there, teams that are one serviceable, decent quarterback away from you know, having a solid team and, and it's not hard to see him being a, a guy who you play as your QB two uh, every week in, in 2022.
2: I had heard uh, just some chatter on social media and it, it had Jimmy Garoppolo in some sort of three team trade, get it moving, going to the Raiders, Josh McDaniels and the, and his coaching staff is in love with Jimmy Garoppolo. Derek Carr seems to be certainly a, a desirable piece for any team. Um, you know, do, do you think that that do you see that as a possibility where, you know, the 49ers trade Garoppolo to Las Vegas and Derek Carr goes to a third team and then that third team sends some pieces over to maybe some draft picks back to San Francisco?
1: Three team trades. <laughs> that That sounds fun for the NFL. Give us more of that. You know, it's so hard to know how how likely any of that type stuff might be. You know, we don't. I, I, I it, the the McDaniel's and Garoppolo connection certainly sounds interesting. So yeah, that 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 sounds interesting.
2: Okay, uh, on your sleeper list, you have Trevor Lawrence. Uh, you think that there's going to be market uh, perception that Trevor Lawrence is just, hey, this guy sucks, or do you think he's going to get the mulligan because of the all-time worst coaching staff? So why do you include Trevor Lawrence on your sleeper list for superflex QBs?
1: The the pedigree coming out of college was just so off the charts high that, but he fell flat last year. And I think a lot of people are going to look at him and see, you know, he was really terrible. I mean, he was really, his statistics were just horrible. There's no getting around it. But I I think that uh, he has nowhere to go, but up from there. And I'm not sure that the public perception will, bake in the the draft pedigree. I think too many people got burned by him last year, and there's a lot of people. It's like a last year's bums type of pick. I I like a last year's bums type concept, similar to Baker, um, except instead of Baker being an injury bounce back from an injury issue here, I think it's just bounce back from a horrible coaching, horrible setup. I like how Doug Peterson is there. He's certainly been a quarterback whisperer at times in his career. So to me, Lawrence has nowhere to go but up after last year's disaster.
2: Yeah, I like that a lot. And like I said, he is going in the late second round of Superflex RF, but if he is an Andrew Luck type prospect, that's too late. Like, again, last year he was going at pick eight, pick seven. In these drafts. So let's do a little either or with with Trevor Lawrence's Superflex ranking. I'm just pulling up on the rotowire.com Superflex rankings, which, by the way, you can get right now for free for 10 days. Just go to rotowire.com forward slash try. Go to the cheat sheet sheets section. Also link it in the video description below once we post this video and you will be able to, just to access for 10 days free as long as you put in your email um, the, all of the Superflex rankings. All right, I have Trevor Lawrence at eight. I held him steady right there. So I'm going to start reading the the players who I have ranked ahead of him, and you tell me where where to stop. Like, oh, 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 don't put that guy ahead of Lawrence, okay? So obviously I have Allen and Mahomes. We agree there. Um, Herbert and Burrow, the next two for you? Would you agree on that for Dynasty? Yes. Yes. Okay, because some people don't like Burrow's ranking being that high. And the reason I do like Joe Burrow's be- ranking me that high, yes, obviously Kyler Murray and Lamar Jackson have more upside uh, because of the rushing ability, but it just seems like Burrow, based on his age and his game style and pedigree is you could project him for a longer career it's going to be he has that upside those guys have with the commensurate weapons and the long term outlook, which maybe. Kyler Murray and Lamar Jackson don't have. If you told me it's 2024 and Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray were not the starting quarterbacks or even playing football, I wouldn't be surprised. I'd be shocked if Joe Burrow. So that's why I have those guys, three and four. Uh, Obviously, Kyler and Lamar Jackson I have next. Then I have Dak Prescott. And then I have have, uh, uh, Trevor Lawrence. So where in there do I have it right? Where do I have it wrong?
1: I'd be a little higher on, on Dak. I think I trust him for some of the reasons you were saying about Burrow more than I do uh, Kyler Murray. Some of this Murray stuff bothers me um so I think I'd have Dak higher than you do. I also I I I I contemplated putting Dak as a on my sleeper list when you asked me to give the five sleepers because now that he's had a year after the ankle injury I think he'll trust his body more I think he'll run a little more you know remember last year people viewed him as the fifth or sixth quarterback i i think he's perhaps a couple spots too low in most people's minds so just so- you know when it,
2: when the season starts Dak, now dynasty players are ages you know this right we discriminate against age rightfully and ro- mostly wrongfully Dak will be 29 years old when the season starts kyler murray and lamar jackson 24 25 i mean that's that's a five-year difference does that you think justify I, his ranking a little bit better
1: I, I hear you i just you know like you said to me kyler murray you know what are the what are the percent chances he's not even playing in the nfl in three or four years you know at age 29 which Dak is now i mean it's not zero
2: it's 15 percent, right which is significant I, significant yeah,
1: I'd, I'd put it in the 20s but right yeah sure. I, I yeah I, and so you know that scares me a bit whereas I don't really I don't have that concern with with Dak at all and I I I I like him to have a a bigger season this year than he did last year
2: okay so in, in relations to Trevor Lawrence any of those players would you have Trevor Lawrence above uh Kyler or Lamar Jackson for your dynasty superflex rankings
1: Depending on what day you asked me, I could put him ahead of Kyler, not Lamar Jackson. I like Lamar ahead of Kyler for sure. I, but, I, I could go back and forth on Trevor Lawrence versus Kyler.
2: Okay. So here, you're actually, I'm changing the stuff on the area. That's why I love talking to you, Stopa, because, you, you know, you kind of talk me through my process a little bit. And that's what I'm saying. I'm not like married to any, my rankings are dynamic based on more information I collect. So Deshaun Watson, I have it number nine in Superflex. Uh, do you, th- I mean, that's obviously based on, we don't even know if he, I mean, I think he's playing next year. Obviously I have him ranked as a top 10 quarterback, but I just don't know the situation right now. Do you think that would, if you're on the clock in the second round and you have to take a second quarterback and you're sitting there and Lawrence and Deshaun Watson are both there, what would you do?
1: I go Lawrence and then Watson. Yeah, the, the last stuff I read about Watson and the legal stuff concerned me just a bit he had to submit to depositions and you know I don't follow that every uh, uh down to every detail or anything but there's there's a lot of concern there so I don't think we can talk about Kyler and the concern whether he'll be in the league in four years and not have the same concern about Watson although Watson has shown a, a ceiling that Kyler hasn't quite shown yet but I'd have Lawrence of uh Lawrence above him but I'd you know equivocate a little as i say that cuz w- watson if he gets through the legal stuff he to me he goes right up to uh number 3 or 4 right in there he's in that herbert M- herbert and uh herbert grouping at 3 or 4 right there
2: yeah i i would say 4 it's more of a, a you know, with him and burrow and herbert i can't yeah. not take him at 3 man i mean what a you know just, yeah yeah was-
1: i i agree with that yeah herbert and then yeah. And then, and then right after that, that's where I start questioning. But yeah, the point is he's got a lot of, if he gets through the legal stuff, but the legal stuff is just such a cloud. I, I like where you got it.
2: So one of the, one of my strategies in, in finding value, you know, buy high, buy low, sell, uh, sell high is taking the dynasty consensus rankings and comparing them when the redraft rankings start to come out in late May and early June and then certainly into July. And when you have a player that their disparity, their, their gap in ranking on the dynasty is one place, and then on the redraft the current year is in a totally different spot, that defines who the buy low, sell high guys are. And a player I expect to be in a quarterback, that I expect to have a big chasm, is Matthew Stafford. Stafford, He's going to be what QB eight, QB nine in the redraft ranking, something like that. Certainly not nothing less than QB ten. But well, that's
1: your that's your ageism. <laughs>
2: yes, but that's my point. Is that in in dynasty? I'm just looking at my rankings. I have to get him up a little bit. I have him, I have him buried around QB fifteen. So, do you think that maybe these are sleepers? These are values. I mean, Matthew Stafford, you could. I mean if you offered someone Trevor Lawrence for Matthew Stafford, they're going to do it like that in a second, right? I mean that's a that's a good dynasty trade right there.
1: Oh, uh, uh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know, how many more years does Stafford have? You know, but if it's three. three,
2: but if it's three, isn't that a lifetime? I mean, how can we project, you know, again, we, we think Trevor Lawrence is going to bounce back, but he hasn't yet done it in the NFL. You haven't really even seen a, a very flashy series of plays or series of games yet. That's why, yeah, I love the prospect profile. Everything you said was spot on, but at the same time, I'm still a little dubious. All right, with our last 10 minutes, Mark Soap, I want to talk strategy, super flex strategy. We, we alluded to it a little bit in in the beginning. And you talked about, like, if you're picking at the top of the draft, just don't even talk to you about Jonathan Taylor, or Christian McCaffrey. Just, just take your quarterbacks. But what happens when you're drafting at the back end of these super flex drafts? Let's say, you know, the top five or six quarterbacks we just talked about through Kyler Murray are off the board. OK, what are you going to do there? Are you going to just then take the next veteran guy, the Aaron Rodgers, the Russell Wilson's or is this the time to maybe take you know, your, your top rated receiver running back towards the in the 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 spot?
1: I mean, I, I tend to go best player available. When I, if you can't get that, you know, guaranteed franchise, going to be a stud for the next seven or eight years kind of guy, I'd go best player available. And I'd have more of a mindset of I have to have three quarterbacks to rotate into those two spots two starting spots and that that's more my mentality if uh if i'm in the latter if, if i'm in the latter part where i'm more in my mind saying i'm going to be looking to get a baker mayfield or a davis mills or some of these guys that we've talked about or like um last year i had a ton of mitch trubisky as a last round draft pick even though he wasn't a starter looking for an upside guy who maybe if there's an injury or something and so you know you're looking for that that's what I'm looking to looking to do. My men's mindset just changes like that.
2: Yeah. Now I, I, that is an interesting point right there as far as like, you know, valuing players and strategy. But so with every, with the information that's out there, everybody there's everyone's a sharp fantasy football player for the most part, especially people that we play with in our leagues. Right. I mean, like there's no one that we all have the same information. It's just, how do you apply it? How do you act on it? What do you think the edge in fantasy football is in 2022 what is you think your edge is versus the field at this point
1: i think that for me one edge what comes to mind there is there tends to be a group think especially as we get closer to the season and everyone just kind of assumes that that they're going to be right or that the industry is going to be right and if you look at year end you know year end tallies points totals Very often, everybody is completely wrong. And so one of the things that I've learned to do is, what if the industry's wrong? And kind of bake that into my picks. What if everyone's wrong about this player? What if everyone's wrong about that player? What if the group think is off and I think that's becoming a bit of an edge. And I know that's kind of a generalization, but you know, I think you can incorporate a lot of that into looking for value later on. Cause there's so much information out there. Now here we are talking about NFL and it's in its March. I mean, there, there's, you know, there's so much, so much information. I like thinking, well, what if everybody's wrong about this? Like last year, Everybody was wrong about the rookie quarterbacks, Trey Lance, Justin Fields. You know, there was so much hype about them over the course of the summer, and it just fell flat. If you had adopted that logic, that thought process to them, you had massive profit potential. So that's one of the things that I'm looking to do and I'll be looking to do this year is to look to where the group think is going and developing a counter argument to that and applying that towards some of my picks.
2: You've heard of fade the public. Mark Stopa is fading the experts. I like that. That's a, <laughs> <laughs> and it, there is something to that, right. Because if you look over time, fading consensus view is it, there is profit to be had. Obviously consensus is consensus for a reason because it is the most sound thought out, you know, value hammered out situation. Yes. These high pedigree, uh, quarterbacks let's gravitate towards them. But what if, what if it's not? Uh, that that is an interesting point right there. So I just want to um, I'm going to ask you a potpourri of questions right now with our last few minutes here. Um, so every year, our friends over at Player Profiler, uh, Matt Kelly, Josh Larkey, uh Cody Carpenter, those guys, they do, they put out an amazing draft kit for fantasy football, dynasty fantasy football, and they uh, generously they have me do one you know profile one of their players for them. They have people from all over fantasy football do it, and this year I picked out Zeke Elliott because I know that the consensus is going to hate Zeke Elliott, but I like him this year. And I made a post on a Facebook group about Zeke Elliott. I said, put your Zeke Elliott take here and I'll I'll link that Facebook post (laughs) in the, and I got 95 comments of people telling me basically I was the biggest moron in the world. And this to me plays right into what you just said, fade consensus opinion. So, Okay to disagree with me, but Zeke Elliott right now is going in the early fourth round. I would take him ten times out of ten in the middle or late third round. I would probably take him in the second round if I had to. I don't have to. Where are you on Zeke Elliott for 2022? Obviously, his dynasty outlook is going to be a little shakier, but for this year, locked in. Talk to me about Zeke Elliott and where you think that he could be as a fantasy football player.
1: Fourth round, I, I like that. You know that there, there's. They're, they seem stuck with him, for better or worse. Looks like they're going to cut Amari Cooper, partly because of salary cap issues, which were partly a result of Zeke. So he's going to be there. He's going to have double-digit touchdowns. Uh, I, if he's there in the fourth round, I'm with you on that for sure. I, I can see third, too. I tend to like receivers in that you know running back, dead zone type area, that you know phrase that's become, become common in the last few years. But uh, I, I'm buying there.
2: Yeah. And if you go, if you're picking, this is what the strategy that I'm going to lay out on the player profile or video is that if you're picking at 10, 11, 12 in your normal redraft league, don't worry about the running backs. You just go receiver receiver there. Take Justin Jefferson, swoop around with DK Metcalf or whoever it is that you like there. It doesn't have to be DK. It could be, you know, whoever it is. And then at the end of the third round, you're going to get Zeke Elliott as your starting running back. I mean, you're going to have Zeke Elliott, who finished last year, by the way, as RB6 in PPR leagues, and everyone's like, well, he played all 17 games. Yes, that's one of Zeke Elliott's superpowers. He very rarely misses games, and he very rarely even ends up on the uh, mid-season, midweek injury report, which, by the way, is a nice thing when you know you could just plug him in and play him. You know, people uh, have bit back at me in that thread, and they said, well, um, this marginal miles Gaskin type outscored him on a points per game. But yeah, how many times did you feel confident starting miles Gaskin and being able to confidently put a guy in and project him? is, you know, I think is comforting and helpful to fantasy football. Uh Last part about Zeke Elliott, uh, you know, a lot of sharp rankers, you know, a friend, a colleague of ours, Dalton Del Don said, he's going to have Tony Pollard ranked ahead of him. I think that's madness. I, and again, I, if I misquoted Dalton there, I apologize, but, Pollard's role, explain that in relation to Zeke Elliott.
1: You know, I, I be that's one of the bigger stories that I'm sure we'll see lots of chatter on this summer because on an efficiency basis or a per-touch basis, Pollard has arguably been better. They're used in a little different roles, which partially explains that. It did seem like Zeke was playing through injuries last year, which partially explains it. But, you know, give me touch volume uh, 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 for my running backs. Give me the guys who are getting the red zone touches. And I totally agree. There's something to be said for your RB1 being somebody who you don't ever Ever have to worry about whether he's gonna play or feel like, gosh, do I wanna start him this week or not? You know, you can just leave him there. I mean, one of my best teams last year in Scott Fishbowl, uh, I made it to like the finals or semifinals or something like that. I he was a weekly play every week, just left him there. And there's something to be said for that. So I, I'm with you on that.
2: And if you're really worried about him being injured, which I don't know why you would, he's played 15 games in every season except for one, you can get Tony Pollard. Sure, he'll be a little bit of a high-end handcuff, but he probably has some standalone value too. At Mark Stopa on Twitter, you did it again. People should follow you. You're one of my favorite followers on Twitter. One, because of your fantasy football. Let's call them pepperings. I I like your takes on there. Um, You're always up for spirited debate. I think that also, you know, you, you comment on uh, pop culture discourse. In a sense, when I say pop culture, I mean current events more. Uh, I, I enjoy your Twitter. It's one of my favorite follows on all of Twitter. I encourage people to go to at Mark Stopa on Twitter. Is there anything else that you're promoting right now that you want people to know about before we get out of here?
1: I appreciate you asking. I just, you know, I, I sometimes talk about the crazy world that we're in and try to get people to see how, you know, some government corruption is out there and just let's, let's, you know, all support each other in these crazy times that we live in.
2: Yeah. I'm also going to put the, um, the Amazon link to your book. You wrote a, a book about, uh, corruption and, you know, some people call you a kook and some people say you're crazy, but you know what? I enjoyed your book. I thought it was a good read. And I think that um, when more people that are throwing mud at you, the more I'm interested that why are they throwing mud? If it wasn't, if there wasn't truth in your book, they wouldn't be slinging mud. They would just be like, oh, they, they, you would get no attention at all. So uh, you constantly calling attention to corruption is interesting to me. And plus, you're an entertaining, you are an entertaining storyteller. And that's why I love having you on the podcast. And that's why I love talking to you offline stuff, because uh, I could listen to you for hours because I think you have interesting t- and you're an interesting guy and I'm happy that uh, we've become friends over the last couple years. All right, at Mark Stopa on Twitter. Um, You did it again. Uh, We'll certainly have you back on it. By the way, before we sign off, have you been, um, are you into the rookies yet or just starting your rookie stuff with the combine? Are are you into your rookie analysis yet?
1: I haven't haven't dug in deep yet. I'm just kind of getting into it. I'm not really a college football guy so I depend on some other bright guys out there who do a lot of those intense breakdowns and I'm getting there.
2: Okay, so after the NFL draft, will you come back on the, the Dynasty podcast and give us your rookie takes?
1: Anytime, buddy. You're the best.
2: All right, brother. All right, uh, we'll be back every Monday with a new Dynasty Fantasy Football podcast. I want to remind everybody, you can get RotoWire premium content free for 10 days, including our Superflex rankings. Just go to rotowire.com forward slash try. And next week... We are going to be back uh, with an amazing episode. We have Josh Larkey coming on from Player Profiler. In addition to Dynasty, he is gonna, he has cracked the code Mark Stopa for Superflex um, Best Ball, which, by the way, is uh, on Underdog Fantasy. And he has some interesting strategies because if you're playing Underdog Fantasy, they did add a Superflex this year Mark Stopa, but th- what they did was they took away a wide receiver spot.
1: Oh, interesting. That so sounds went, fun. Yeah, sounds so there's fun. only
2: two wide receivers. So, I mean, logic would say leave wide receivers to like the seventh round, right? <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, so I got to dig into that. That sounds fun. Yeah.
2: So if you play some underdogs here, remember, and this is a tip that Josh will talk about, that they didn't just add super flex. They changed a wide receiver to a super flex. All right. Uh, we'll be back next week with Josh Larke. Bye for The sun
1: goes down on my side.